Hi, everyone. Drew Pro here, host of the Broken Brain Podcast. Happy 2020. Thank you for being here. We're doing something new on Tuesdays. Every Tuesday for the rest of the year, we're releasing another episode. And this episode is going to be an opportunity for me to come straight to you and provide value on topics that I think about a lot in life and that I'm working on myself and that I've helped other people with. If you listen to my episode, my New Year's episode, it was called Nine ways we avoid our goals and dreams in life. You know that one of the intentions, I asked many of you to text me your goals and intentions for the year. Thank you for everybody who texted me. Almost 600 of you texted me, which was beautiful. And I'm doing my best to respond back to everybody. I think about halfway through. Uh, But many of you know that I shared my intention for the year. My intention, one of my main intentions is to provide more value to the Broken Brain audience. And I thought the best way to do that is in addition to the Thursday episodes that we do, where I interview some of the best, most incredible, game-changing speakers, authors, researchers, practitioners that are out there in the world of integrative health, brain health, neuroplasticity, functional medicine, biohacking. In addition to those interviews, which we're going to keep doing, I'm going to come to you direct on Tuesdays and provide you value on topics that I see many of you asking about. Now, these aren't always going to be traditional health topics. But as we all know, that our mental health and our body health and our brain health and our spiritual health, all these things are connected. And when we break free from certain patterns, it actually makes our physical health and our brain health better. So today's podcast is titled, Four Ways to Break Free of the Cycle of Comparison. I'm excited to get into it, so let's do it. What is the cycle of comparison? Human beings are designed to compare their lives to others. We look around, we see what other people are doing, we see what we can learn, and then we take the good and we try to avoid the bad. Comparing our lives to other people is part of our genetic makeup. It's what one of the one things that makes human beings unique because comparing comes back to this ability that human beings have, which is storytelling. Now, the challenge becomes When that storytelling leads to the cycle of comparison, it actually prevents us from moving forward on the things that we want to do in life. If you're constantly comparing yourself to the lives, your life, to the lives of others, you will find yourself in a place of inaction. You're not going to be inspired to take action. You're not going to feel motivated. You're not going to feel free to give love and attention to things that you want. And most importantly, you're going to constantly feel behind. When you constantly feel behind in life, that I'm not far enough, that I'm not good enough, that I'm not pretty enough, smart enough, this enough, that enough. When you constantly feel behind and that you're not enough, life is not as fun as when you don't have that. Because no matter how much you achieve, no matter how much you do, you'll continuously look at the lives of others and feel like you're not enough. And that's why I think this topic is a great one for us to start off with, not only for the new year, but when it comes to these bonus episodes and me getting a chance to provide value. This is something that I've dealt with in my own life. I think many of us can relate. In fact, I think a lot more people can relate than we often think. I'm going to kick off this podcast by reading you a post that I wrote a few years ago about being in downtown Vegas with a group of very influential and exciting and motivating people and a dear friend of mine, Sean Stevenson, who has since passed, 
incredible speaker, asked the audience a powerful, powerful question. So here we go. I'm going to read that question to you and the post, and then we're going to jump into the four ways to break free of the cycle of comparison. Here we go. Who here has ever felt that they should be further along in life for the age they are at? I'll repeat that question again. This was asked by the speaker, Sean Stevenson. Who here has ever felt that they should be further along in life for the age they are at? A few months ago, my buddy Sean Stevenson asked this question to an audience at the Downtown Project in Las Vegas, started by Tony Shea and the team at Zappos. The audience was filled with nonprofit leaders, best-selling authors, mothers, fathers, whiz kids, change agents, multimillionaires, and a billionaire in the making, and a princess, for real. And guess what? Every single one of those people, even the billionaire, even the princess, even the whiz kids, even everybody that was there, the people that were accomplished, the people that were just starting off, the young people that were still in high school, every single person raised their hand, including me. Everyone's felt behind at some point, even the people that seem to have it quote unquote made. Everyone's guilty of comparing no matter how much they've accomplished. That in itself should be a huge sigh of relief for us all. Where we're never going to achieve our way out of feeling empty. We're never going to succeed our way out of comparing. There's no winner in this game. When we play, we all lose. The only alternative is refusing to play the game of comparison in the first place. When we notice our mind gearing up, looking for evidence to support our lack or how we're not enough, the most important thing we can do is pause, take a breath, notice, and let go. The better we are at, at catching ourselves and playing, the better we're at catching ourselves playing an unwinnable game, the more focused we can stay on doing the work that matters most to us, the work that gives us the most joy. So the reason that I want to start off with that post is I think that so many of us can relate to that and we often forget that even the people that we're comparing our lives to are individuals that they themselves can relate to that as well. So how can we break free of the cycle of comparison? So I have four things that I want to talk about here that we're going to jump into. The first one is something that I call the pendulum concept, understanding the pendulum concept. So Imagine a pendulum, something that sways to the left and sways to the right. What we know about the science of pendulums is that, naturally, the momentum and the energy of it swinging one way has a great impact of the momentum and energy of it swinging another way. So oftentimes, and many of you who texted me your goals for 2020 or the things that you're struggling with, you would talk about finding yourself at a place where you feel like you want to do more, you want to give more, you want to be more and you feel like you're not doing it. Well, first of, all, that's a, that, first of all, that's a beautiful thing to feel like, hey, listen, my life is good. There's a lot of things that I love about my life, but I want to do more and I want to give more. That's a beautiful thing. And noticing that is actually a part of our spiritual and psychological and our mental evolution. But some of you also said that you feel you want to do more and be more 
because you feel like you're behind when you look at the lives of other individuals. Now, when you catch yourself comparing yourself to somebody else's life, let's say, imagine that you noticing that or feeling bad about that is the pendulum swinging all the way, all the way to the right. I'll give you an analogy. A few weeks ago, I had a dear friend come to me and share that she feels that she's constantly thinking about how she's not married and that she's in her mid-30s and she's always looking around and seeing that her friends are married or moving on with their life or starting to have kids and that she's not. And it makes her feel really bad to the point and degree that when I was asking some follow-up questions, it makes her feel not excited about dating sometimes. Or she might meet somebody and she'll date the wrong people that are out there because she feels like she has to make it work right now. So the interesting thing that I brought up to her is that when she is feeling down about the fact that she thinks that she's behind in life, that's the pendulum swinging all the way to the right. What we need to do to start breaking free of the cycle of comparison is understand the momentum that started on the left. So her feeling bad is the pendulum on the right, but what I wanna know is what got that pendulum to swing right. So what that means is we have to look left. Are you with me so far? Okay, maybe I should make a diagram in the future for this. So her feeling bad is on the right. I want to see what happened on the left. What was the initial momentum and energy that started her ending up in the other place? Now, one of the things that we found in the conversation is that she puts her friends who are married on a pedestal. She'll be at weddings and she'll be at places, or she heard that her friend just got engaged. And I'm not saying that we should be happy for, we shouldn't be happy for people. I want her to be happy for her friends and celebrate their great individuals. The challenge becomes that when we think that because they got engaged or married or whatever in this example that this woman was dealing with, when we think that all of a sudden that makes their life better. In that moment of celebration, she chose then to say that that automatically means something good for them. Now, I hope everybody has a good relationship, but as we know, many people who get engaged or married shouldn't even be married in the first place. Many things that look amazing on the surface have underlining miscommunications that are there. You don't know their life. You don't know what's good about it. You don't know what's bad about it. You know what they're struggling with. You don't know what they're dealing with. So, we can't automatically assume that what somebody is experiencing is good. And if we only had that, we would feel good too. Because that assumption and us putting that on a pedestal then creates the momentum of us on the opposite side feeling like we don't have that. And so that means that our life is not enough. Because we're not engaged, we're not married, we're not X, Y, or Z, and replace that with anything because we're not in this job or that job or have this much money, that's why we don't feel happy. Now, I'm all about goals. I'm all about dreams. I'm all about going for what you want. I think it's a great goal. If she wants to get married, find the right person, that's awesome. You want to build your life with somebody amazing and that is not the challenge. The challenge becomes when we automatically assume that something means something good. So when we don't have it, it means something bad. And when we can catch ourselves in those moments of creating a story about somebody else's life, 
oh, their life must be so amazing. Now they can go on trips with somebody else. They don't have to go to parties all by themselves. They have somebody to come back to. And there's a lot of beautiful things about that. But just assuming that somebody else's life is amazing because they have something is actually not accurate. How do we know? Well, let's look at the divorce rate. Let's look at couples counseling. Let's look at couples that fight all the time. There's many people who got married or got engaged who feel like, I do not want to be here in this position. It's like the actual event, the engagement, the wedding, whatever it might be, is neutral. We can still be happy for people, but let's not put it on the pedestal because we do this in every aspect of our life. I want to read something that I wrote uh, a few weeks ago. Your brain is like a detective. It's always looking for the evidence it needs to confirm its perspective. If you feel like you lack something or are not enough, it will go on the hunt to prove you right. But awareness stops the cycle. That's why the most powerful question you can ask yourself is, what evidence is my brain currently looking for? And why is it looking for that evidence? What evidence is my brain currently looking for? And why is it looking for that evidence? So because our brain is like a detective, when we catch it going all the way to the left, the pendulum is swinging all the way to the left. We want to create a story that because this person has a new car, they have a new house, they've achieved some sort of outward success, that that means X, Y, or Z. We put it on a pedestal and we think it's amazing, right? Instead of just being happy for them and saying, wow, that's pretty cool. I would like to create something like that in my life, but I don't automatically assume that that means that the person is going to be happy. You can do both, by the way. You don't have to put something on a pedestal to look at it and say, wow, you know what? I want some of that. I want to grow my company the way this person's done it, but I'm not going to automatically assume that that changes their life and makes them happy and does X, Y, and Z that could be miserable. How do we know? Because even the billionaire that was in the audience raised their hand and said that they felt behind. So of course we know that an event doesn't automatically make somebody happy. Intellectually, we know that. But in that moment, if we don't catch ourselves when the pendulum has swung all the way to the left, it's very easy for the pendulum to swing to the right. And because our brain's a detective, it's always going to find evidence for what we need to prove it right. So if we put them on a pedestal and we say that they're happy because X, Y, and Z, then our brain goes on the hunt. And then immediately we open up social media, we see another friend is engaged or married or whatever else. And instead of just being happy for them and leaving a comment, we use it as evidence to say, see, this is why I don't have plans on Friday. This is why I keep on dating the wrong people. This is why this happens X, Y, or Z, whatever it is. So that's the pendulum. Instead of focusing on just the event and where you feel sad, look at where you are creating stories of the high. It's the high creates the low. The left creates the right. The yin creates the yang. It's a whole new way of thinking. But once we embrace that, we start to see the patterns in our life that it's because we give energy to certain things that on the flip side, we feel down about those things later on. So the first way to break free of the cycle of comparison is understanding the pendulum concept. It's just a word I made up. It's not a concept that exists out there. At least I don't know but it's the best use of language that I have right now to describe what's out there. And I trust that many of you were able to follow along with me and, uh, and understand what I was talking about. Okay, let's get into number two. The second way to break free of the cycle of comparison, second out of four, 
is to catch ourselves early. Because we know that our brain is our detective and the most powerful thing we can ask ourselves is what evidence is my brain currently looking for and why is it looking for, for that evidence? One of the most powerful things that we can do is to check in. When people talk about meditation, when people talk about uh, mindfulness, when they talk about using apps like Headspace, many of the guests on the podcast that we've had, really the value in those items, and I'm not a regular meditator, but I do practice meditation here and there, and I practice a lot of mindfulness. My day is broken up with little points of time where I have, where I do a practice called falling still. Falling still is a practice that my mentor, Serrano Kelly, one of my mentors, Serrano Kelly, taught me. And it's a simple practice of just sitting up in my chair, being really comfortable. Uh, As my dear friend, Light Watkins, who's been a past guest on this podcast says, just sit down like you're watching your favorite TV show, right? But still standing up, not laying down. Feet on the floor, hands on your knees, and just noticing your breath. Let's do it right now. If you're not driving and you're just there and you can be in a place where you can do this practice, let's take a minute, one minute out of the day to practice pausing and falling still. So you don't have to sit crazy upright. You don't have to look like a monk. You just have to sit comfortably in your chair. And if it feels good to you and you're in a place where you can do this, close your eyes. And just notice the breath. We're not trying to control the breath. We're not trying to manipulate the breath. We're just noticing. We're just noticing the breath coming in and the breath going out. Noticing the breath coming in and the breath coming out. Thoughts will come, thoughts will go, and we just let them do their thing. We imagine ourselves sitting on a porch in front of a house, just watching the traffic pass by. And each one of our thoughts are like the cars. Some go left, some go right, and we just keep coming back to our breath. Noticing our breath coming in. Noticing our breath going out. And together, if it feels good for you, let's just take three deep breaths. So we're going to first take a deep breath in. And exhale out, deep breath out. Deep breath in. Exhale out, deep breath out. One final big deep breath in. Hold it at the top. Exhale out and let it all go. And slowly and gently return. Slowly and gently open your eyes. Awesome. So that was like, what, two minutes? This practice is called falling still. It's something that a mentor of mine, Serrano Kelly, taught me. And here's the power in this practice. So many times, the reason that we have a hard time breaking out of the cycle of comparison 
is because there's so much momentum throughout the day. We get on a conference call at work and somebody's talking about some really cool thing that happened to them. And we use that and our brain stores that whether we realize it or not, whether it's conscious, subconscious, our brain stores that information, then a couple more events happen like that. Then we go on social media. We see something's happening to somebody else that's really good. They're traveling. While we're slaving away at our job over here, they're in Sicily hanging out with family. And they have the means to do that, and maybe we don't have the means right now or the schedule or the time ability to do that. And when these moments stack up and build up throughout the day, then finally we can hit a point, leaving home from work, driving home from your job, where something bad happens. Somebody calls you up and tells you they're upset at you. And now all the momentum and energy of the day winds up and releases itself in a ball of stress or a ball of upset or a ball of massive comparison in your brain, which is looking for evidence, comes to the conclusion. The reason that you're dealing with all this, the reason that you're not in Sicily or wherever else it is, the reason that this isn't happening or that isn't happening in your life, the reason that you're not, don't have more followers on Instagram or social media is because you're not enough, because you're not smart, because you didn't do well, because you did this, because you should have gone to college, because you shouldn't have gone to college and become an entrepreneur. You know, We will find the evidence that we need. When we practice falling still a couple times a day, sometimes I only get to it once a day, and there's many days where I don't get a chance to get to it. When we practice falling still and breaking up the day, and then immediately afterwards, I ask myself, what am I feeling present to? Sometimes in the middle of the day, I do a falling still practice. And I, after I'm done, two to five minutes, sometimes it goes longer, I ask myself, what am I feeling present to? What's the energy? What am I feeling in my body? What sensations am I feeling? Do I feel weight on my shoulders? Do I feel tenseness in my um, stomach where I keep a lot of tension? And then I ask myself, okay, what happened? And like a detective, I work backwards. And instead of looking for evidence to prove some point that my mind made up, some story, I instead go backwards and I say, how did I get here? Okay, I have tension in my stomach and I do this by talking out loud. Some people love doing it by journaling. Some people love doing it by calling a friend. Whatever works for you, it all works. So for me, I talk out loud. I say, okay, I have tension in my stomach. I don't know why I have that tension. What's going on? Well, okay, what did I want to do today? Or how did I wake up? Okay, you know, I woke up. I didn't sleep that well. And I already felt like I missed the gym appointment that I wanted to go to. I didn't get to work out. And I got to the office and I was so excited to work on something. And then I got a phone call from my business partner saying that something wasn't working well. And then I made that about me and I created a story. What story did I create? Oh, you know, I said I should have paid attention to this instead of doing that. And I unwind that energy. When you practice falling still and you unwind the energy of the day and you ask yourself what you're feeling present to, it's so much easier to break free of the cycle of comparison because you catch yourself early. That is the power of catching ourselves early. We see that we are the ones that are tricking ourselves into the cycle of comparison. So if we're the ones that are tricking ourselves into it, we can be the ones that can pull us out of it. That's the power of falling still. And the second item that was on that list of four ways to break free of the cycle of comparison, which is catching yourself early. Okay, let's move on to number three. The third way to break free of the cycle of comparison is very 
clear and is easier to do when we understand our patterns. And that thing, even though it's simple and even though it's clear, it's tough to do, but it's still simple and it's straightforward. And that is creating clarity. You know, Seth Godin has a fantastic quote and I paraphrase it and I turn it in my own version. He was saying, we can't use somebody else's ruler to measure the quality of the art that we're producing out there in the world. And he's talking about art being business, actual art, poetry, podcasts, whatever, any kind of creative work that you're putting out there. Don't use somebody else's ruler uh, measurement tool to measure your art and the reason that you're doing it. And so I changed that quote up a little bit and I said, we can't use somebody else's ruler in life to measure our own progress of success. And a lot of times our version of success is inherited through just looking around. We never sat down and asked ourselves what actually matters. When I sat down and asked, asked myself what actually matters, one of the things that came up for me is that I really want to engineer my life to spend time in the workplace when it comes to, let's say, my work goals. I want to create my work life in a way that I use it as an excuse to spend time with my friends and family, at least the ones that I want to work with. I love a lot of my family. I love a lot of my friends. I don't want to work with them all. <laughs> but the ones that I do want to work with, like my sisters who are both part of my company, uh, my dad who's part of this new company that I'm building out, a lot of my dear friends, best friends that I've had for a really long time. My first business was with my two best friends. And even though it wasn't successful on the external, we learned so much. That's actually a perfect example. So when I got clear that I really liked working with friends and family because of who I am, I'm not saying that should be somebody else's goals. I went down a path of engineering my life to be able to do that. So that meant that I wasn't going to go for a corporate job because you can't hire your friends and family in that position. It's called nepotism. That meant also that I needed to be good, uh, get good at being an entrepreneur. And I was willing to grow slowly and not take on investments and grow my company and hold it privately so that I could do the things that I wanted to do because I liked working and giving a shot and working with friends that were out there because it brought me so much joy for a lot of different reasons. When we get clear about the things that are motivators for us, when we get clear about what our actual goals are and what matters to us, we create clarity where we realize we're not running the same race as everybody else. So even for me, even though I dropped out of school, I talked about that on the podcast, nine things, nine ways we avoid our goals and dreams. Even though I dropped out of school, I'd always did fantastic in school, had straight A's. I dropped out of school, which was a big shock to my immigrant parents who really, really value education. And by the way, I value education too. I just wanted to get it in a different way. So even though I had their blessings and I dropped out of school, eventually had their blessings, I took a path that was much longer to create what I wanted to create. So I found myself, you know, at 22, 23, 24, all my friends are starting exciting careers. They're becoming doctors. They're becoming lawyers. They're working on Wall Street. They're doing this. They're doing that. And here I am at the age of 23, I moved back in with my parents to save up money, to get ready for this business that I wanted to work on, to also take care of my grandfather who had cancer because I really wanted to spend the last few months of his life with him. Now, that was what was right for me. And even though I'm sure people were looking at my life and judging it and saying, he's living at home with his parents, 
you know, he's not out there in corporate America or he's not a doctor or a lawyer. He's not doing anything because there wasn't a lot of external examples of the things that I was up to. I was still in sort of building mode with my company. And in fact, one company had just, I just closed it down my first company with my business partners because it wasn't doing as great. And we realized that we didn't really get along that well as business partners, but we still wanted to be friends. So after four years of doing that, which is the company I dropped out of uh, school to start, I closed that down. And even more people are saying, he's not going back to school to finish his degree. What's he going to fall back on? What's he going to do? And I knew why I was running. I knew what race I was running. And I knew why I was running that race. And I knew what I wanted to create. I knew that if I got a traditional nine to five job, I just wouldn't do well in that environment. That's just me. I'm not saying that's everybody else, but that was me. That was my clarity. I also wanted to build a company with my family and friends. So I had to do things my way. That was super duper important to me. When we get clear on the race that we're running and why we're running that race and we create clarity, now all of a sudden when something beautiful happens to somebody else, we're just happy for them. And we can look at it. All my friends that have sold their companies and created great companies and sold it, I feel happy for them. That's not what I want to do. I don't want to raise in money and be on the rat race of raising money and building it and selling it. It's just not what where I have value. But I'm happy for them. I'm happy for any friend that's out there. If my friend wants to go get a Lamborghini or if somebody else wants to go get their second degree or if somebody else wants to climb Mount Everest, whatever the goal is, okay, that might be right for them. That's not what I want in life. What I want in life is different. So when we're clear and we actually ask ourselves, what are the things that we want and we don't inherit the goals from society just because society says so or just because our parents want us to or our siblings or our spouse or somebody else that's out there, we unplug from the matrix. And then when we notice ourselves comparing and we're down the cycle of comparison, we can look at it and say, wow, that's really great. If I want to incorporate that into my life, I can look at that and decide if I want to incorporate that in, or maybe that motivates me to go faster for my goals, or maybe that motivates me to give up a goal or quit on a goal and work on something else. It's great to look at other people and get feedback for your life. But what we don't do is create a story that, oh, because somebody else has that, that's why their life is amazing. And this is why my life sucks. Creating clarity is fantastic. For me, early on in the early days, I really gravitated towards a lot of the works of Tony Robbins. And for those of you that listen to the podcast that I did for New Year's, Nine Ways We Avoid Our Goals and Dreams in Life, one of the number one things that I recommended inside of there was a book called The One Thing. The One Thing. And they asked this question. It's called The Ultimate Question. I think it's called The Ultimate Question inside of that book by Gary Keller. And I forget the other co-author's name. They ask, What's the most important thing for me to give attention to that makes everything else in this category of my life, whether it's family, friendships, spirituality, religion, uh, health, wellness, business, for whatever category you're looking at in life, and you can do this in each category, what's the most important thing for me to give love and attention to and focus on that allows everything else in this category to be easier or unnecessary or more impactful? I changed up the question a little bit to my own version, but when we get clear about what's most important, now we're only comparing ourselves to ourselves. We're not running the same race as somebody else, so why would we judge our progress based on different races? 
So that's number three, creating clarity in our life. All right, number four. Number four is the most important part once we understand the first three, and that's to focus on momentum, not the destination. When we focus on momentum and we focus on progress, all we really care about in life is making progress, not ultimately getting to some destination because we already know that just getting to a destination itself, whatever that may be, doesn't automatically make us happy or more joyful. It's actually the journey along the way. And what research has shown when it comes to habits and other aspects of life is that we, when we recognize progress, we get a dopamine hit. When it's not about getting those six-pack abs or losing X amount of weight, it's just constantly feeling like we're having progress along the way. And when we feel like we're having progress, we actually get the feeling of achievement. We actually get that feeling of joy internally because we set out to do something that we wanted to do that mattered to us, that was probably tough, and we made progress on it. So when you think about your goals for the year, if they're super structured and defined that I want to achieve X, Y, or Z, that's fine. I'm not here to tell you what your goal should or shouldn't be. But if we only focus on that end destination instead of the progress along the way, we will fall back into the cycle of comparison. It's not happening fast enough. I'm not there yet. I'm not making progress. And instead, if we shift into momentum and create micro goals. So what are the micro goals? What do micro goals look like? So you might have a goal that's around fitness for the year. And when you set up a micro goal that's around habits, focusing on habits, not goals, then you say that even if my goal is to lose X, Y, or Z pounds or to gain X, Y, or Z of muscle mass, that's a great goal, perfectly fine. But instead, let's break that goal down. How about regardless of what happens in the week, again, something that you can control even when life gets busy, I want to move at least two times a week. I want to sweat at least two times a week. So regardless of if you are faster in achieving your goal or slower in achieving your goal, if you're constantly hitting that habit that you didn't have before, you're going to ultimately make progress. And more importantly, you're going to feel the joy that comes from making that progress. If it's too set, if it's too destination-based, instead of focusing on momentum, we run the risk of giving up because we're not celebrating the wins along the way. There's a really great book out by uh, a colleague, uh, an acquaintance of mine, uh, BJ Fogg, who's a writer and author in the space of personal development. Uh, I've taken his workshop. He's a behavior research designer uh, in behavior research design at Stanford. He wrote a book called Tiny Habits. And in this book, he talks about the most powerful way for us to achieve the big goals in our life is to focus on tiny habits. Take a habit that we already have and then associate another habit with it. He's going to be coming on the podcast soon, so I'm not going to elaborate too much on what we went into. But the most important thing that comes out of there is that the number one reason why people give up on their goals and dreams is they're too big and they don't celebrate along the way. When we reward ourselves, when we give ourselves a dopamine hit for doing something amazing, when we literally, literally pat ourselves on the back, actually put our hand, reach over, pat ourselves on the back. When we do that, our body's like, wow, thank you. Thank you for recognizing the progress. Thank you for recognizing the effort and energy that I'm putting into making progress in my life. So do that for you. 
Be the best friend for yourself. Focus on the momentum and the progress along the way, the same way that you would do for a child who was trying to learn something or achieve something in their life. You wouldn't scold them if they messed up or didn't get to their goal of learning an instrument or reading or walking or whatever it might be. You wouldn't scold them for not getting there fast enough because we know that's a deterrent. Instead, we would constantly encourage and celebrate them. So that's one way of breaking free of the cycle of comparison is don't focus on end destination, big goals that are out there, have them, but that's not what we really want. We want progress along the way. All right. I'm Drew Perode, and these are four of my ways to break free of the cycle of comparison. I hope they've been helpful. I hope they've been valuable to you. More of these episodes coming to you on Tuesdays. If you want to text me your feedback, your thoughts on this podcast, 302-335-6565. I'm engaging with you as as many of you as I can. Uh, It's becoming a lot, so maybe there will be a day where I can't engage with everybody, but but I'm doing my best. Uh, to catch up and connect with you all. I wish you all the best and stay tuned for another great interview that's coming up on Thursday. Thank you for sharing this podcast with your friends on social media. If you feel inspired to leave a review, I'd love it. If you don't want to, no worries at all. I just appreciate you listening. Talk soon.